Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic, cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is the biggest way podcasts grow. If you haven't yet given us a five-star review, pause your recording and give us a five-star rating, unless you're driving. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, an ACNA priest, an Anglican priest. I don't know why I said that. I've never said that before. Yeah, you changed it up there. A little little bit. I I was distracted. I can hear uh, my five-year-old daughter uh, sprinting in and smashing off of walls from the bus stop. So (laughs) that that threw, threw me off a little bit. Chris, how are you? Kirk, I'm great. Um your daughter has this delightful thing that she did this summer. I don't know if she continues to do this, but uh, she called it jackalizing. Absolutely. Does she still jackalize? She might beginning to become slightly self-conscious about Mm. that formulation, perhaps realizing it's a personal neologism, not a real word. (laughs) So Kirk, where does that come from? Came from her own imagination. Jackalizing, I think. Oh, it, that doesn't Does it have I would other assume origins? it came. I would assume it came from from Lion Guard, the Lion Guard. The <gasps> oh, I would think so. Jackals from kind the of jackals. I would think so. Okay, that has to or be wait, it, right? Are there jackals or are they hyenas? They're hyenas, aren't they? They're hyenas. Are there jackals so, in Lion Guard? So, so perhaps she um, listener, correct us. Yeah. Anyway, it's 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 adorable. She uh, she's a girl, so she doesn't really roughhouse, but she's like essentially bouncing off the walls doing somersaults on furniture but but a little bit more gently than a boy might yeah so we i in some ways i'm very very old-fashioned i'm 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 no running in the house unreconstructed from the 1950s (laughs) right but in though in that regard christopher i'm a hippie degenerate right like (laughs) i we've never had rules about um being on the furniture I, i really believe that i've scandalize my in-laws multiple times by just like <laughs> sprawling out on the couch and propping my feet up or like dog on the couch. Like, I don't know. Like, I kind of want my dog to snuggle with me on the couch. Like, what's the point of like having a dog if you're like down, down and like it's by your feet or whatever. And then like the kids jumping on the sofa. Yeah. I guess I didn't, I, I don't know. Like some, somehow that, that cultural transmission of like, that, that was never transmitted to me. So yeah, I'm a hippie degenerate, man. You can run in my house. You can jackalize in my house. Whatever. So what ways are you old school, Kirk? I, what, I mean, you can see what I'm wearing right now. I'm wearing a bow tie. Okay. And a <laughs> um, cardigan. I, I still wear ties Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. A necktie. And then I wear a bow tie on Thursday. And like what teacher, you know, still wears a tie? Um, and on Friday, you wear a puffy shirt. 
<laughs> well, now that autumn is set in, I wear a, uh, but are, are you making a Seinfeld reference? Yes, I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. The pirate shirt. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to be a pirate. <laughs> On Fridays, I wear flannels now. So mm. yeah. And what? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just generally a, just generally a traditionalist. Like, I don't know. And I feel that way. Um, a great tradition uh, this time of year is, of course, carving pumpkins, which yes, happened which in we both did. of our houses. Yeah, we, we did ours on Wednesday night. Uh, is that when you guys did your car? No, I'm sorry. We did ours on Tuesday night. We did ours on Friday night. Okay. But um, didn't get to kind of have a photo, a fun photo session. Okay. Um, no, we did ours on Saturday night. But 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 like stuff got late and. <laughs> What's so important is for us to litigate what early. exactly night this happened. So let's let's put a little bit more time into that, huh? Right. The the carving Wait, no, and the no, photographs it was, were separate. It was nights. hang on. It was uh, you can see the well, listener what, meter what, dropping. What uh what, the what, Nielsen knobs are like spinning was was Thursday. <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. Uh but anyway, yeah. Uh so we in our house, we we carved pumpkins and uh, let's see. Meg carved hers into a design of a. I am stalling so that I can pull up the picture. Her design was really cool. It was super. Yeah, it's cool. like an owl. Yeah, it was cool. It was very cool. Jordan's was it Hedwig? Could be. So, Cam you looking in, in the in uh, the two thousands, you had what turned out to be a bit of a lemon, but you had a white Ford that you guys loved initially when you bought right, and Meg. Fresh off got the Harry Potter, got it for really cheap. <laughs> Fresh off the Harry Potter series, Meg named uh, the car Hedwig, and unlike Hedwig, this car did not fly for very long, did it? Uh, it did okay for us. We got it for next to nothing, and uh, its timing belt broke, which is oh, you know, probably on us. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Isaac's looked like a, a classic uh, jack o' lantern. Uh, he did. Is awesome that what he job. asked for? He's like, I just want like this. Because that was George. He's like, I want old school, traditional, like something okay. out of Charlie Brown, like like a like a classic pumpkin. Anna did uh, Hello Kitty, and it looks like Jordan did like uh, like what are the bad guys on Pac Man called? That's what but she didn't like do Among Us. That was or maybe a joke. it's Among Us. Oh, I I don't know. I I don't know what Among Us looks like. So <laughs> they don't and look Kirk, like anything. Your they, family. They're like their faces are like anti faces. Their their faces have like rectangles on them. Is that what it is? No, so our family did. Uh, Bryden did like a tree. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Um, Daphne wanted a kitten. Uh, George wanted like a trad, like triangles for eyes, uh, yeah. like gap teeth. Uh, did you see Simon did like pumpkin, just etched pumpkin mm -hmm. in it? Yes. <laughs> like literally P U M P K I N. There was some kinda, meta, there's like some rant, Norm yeah. McDonald humor going on there, some meta humor. And yes. Do you see mine? Skull. 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 Yeah. So those are. Our... But Kirk, I have a question for you. Okay. Shoot. Among these uh, designs, which is the greatest? Ooh, good question. Which is a phenomenal segue 
as I, I, I literally speechless without speech. as I pull my muscle in my arm, patting myself on the back. Um, our gospel text comes from Mark chapter 12, starting at verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them, well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered him, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You've truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that they answered wisely, he said to him, you are not, not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. The gospel, I'm sorry, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in uh, the gospel of Mark, we jump from Mark chapter 10 to Mark chapter 12. And so Mark 11 is the triumphal entry into Jerusalem and the cleansing of the temple. And then at the very end of Mark 11 and continuing into Mark 12, we see a series of questions posed to Jesus. The first of which is, by whose authority are you doing these things? Like, you know, cleansing the temple. Um, should, Jesus, should Jewish people pay taxes to the Roman emperor? Ah, oh, good question. There is the question about the resurrection, you know, uh, whose wife would a woman be in this hypothetical scenario where a series right. of brothers seven marries brothers. the same woman, <laughs> seven brothers, seven, seven, seven brides, grooms, seven. one bride for seven, seven. brothers. You're right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and in each scenario, uh, one of the brothers dies and then she marries the next brother. Uh, they're asking the wrong question. If you ask me, Kirk, um, the question ought to be, why are all of her husbands dying? <laughs> Maybe we should start a podcast about that. Ooh. Um, finally, but only uh, podcasts about that. Right, only podcasts. Foreshadowing. We come, dun, dun, dun. Finally, come to this question asked and answered in today's gospel reading um, about the greatest commandment. Which, is, which commandment is the most important of all? So the question is posed to Jesus by the scribes. And I do want to point out here that, that there is, it is not, that the question is asked earnestly, not to test him. Not a trap. Uh, yeah. Not a trap. Uh, the question asked because Jesus had answered the previous questions well. And so Jesus summarizes the law um, in this way, in this particular way. And I've said before that the Ten Commandments are essentially divided. The first four deal with um, our posture before God. Then the last six deal with um, us and our neighbors, you know, honor your father and mother, you know, do not envy, do not steal. Um, Jesus summarized all, summarizes all of the law by combining Deuteronomy 6, 5, um, chapter 6, verse 5, and what it has to say about loving God. And then he takes Leviticus 19, 18, and what it says about us in relation to our neighbors. Uh, and he puts those together. Um, and he does modify Deuteronomy just a little bit. So Deuteronomy just says heart, soul, and might. Right. And Jesus adds mind. Which, I mean, there, there's 
something to that, um, that uh, like we use our mind <laughs> um, in all things, including uh, obeying God. And the scribe agrees. Um, this, this would not have been the, probably the first time that this question has been posed. Um, the scribe agrees, saying that loving God and loving your neighbor is much more than all the sacrifices and burnt offerings. And, and this is significant because in all likelihood, they're standing in the outer courts of the temple. This also brings to mind the words of the prophet Isaiah, who in the first chapter of Isaiah, starting at verse 17, says this. Um, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. So this is Israel hearing the word from the Lord, and they're being called rulers of Sodom um, because of their sins. Uh, and he continues, give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-bred, well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. Uh, the summary of, of what's happening here in Isaiah is, is the wickedness of man who returns again and again to the temple for cleansing without this key ingredient of repentance. It's something God has grown weary of. Um, uh, I'm going to continue reading here uh, in verse 13 of Isaiah chapter one. I cannot endure iniquity in solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden. Yeah. I am weary of bearing them. Will you spread out your hands? I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. And I'll stop there. That's verse 17 of the first chapter of Isaiah. Uh, what what, what um, the Lord, this message that Isaiah is bringing from the Lord to the people is, is that, you know, this cultic system, this thing that happens in the temple. Um, I mean, we were reading in Hebrews that it was never sufficient anyway, right? Uh, that's our, that's our new Testament reading um, the last couple months. Uh, but also like there's a key ingredient uh, of, of seeking, of, of being truly sorry um, when we, when we, we repent, um, and, uh, God is calling Israel and God is calling you and me, Kirk, to love our neighbors and our neighbors properly understood means everyone. And this is way harder than any of us wants to admit. We know uh, this because Jesus is asked in Luke, who is my neighbor? my neighbor? And he tells a great story about that. The, the good Samaritan. Yeah. Yeah. And, Jesus universalizes this. It's the neighbor is not even just the person who is near us. It's, it's literally every person. In, <laughs> um, and, and uh, I mean, there, there are church fathers who spoke really powerfully on this. I'm not going to cite them right now. Um, only to say that like, it, it, we cannot say that we love God if we do not love our neighbor. Um, and this is really hard in a context, Kirk. We, we were just talking before we hit record about um, the instant feedback that we get when we read something that kind of irks us 
that we can leap on social media and dunk on on the idiots on on the the idiots who wrote this stuff and and just like rah, 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 rah. you know we can we could do that where you're pointing out how hard it used to be where if you were <laughs> irked by an article you'd you'd pull out your your pen and your paper and you'd you'd write a, a harshly worded letter and you'd have to find the address and a stamp and an envelope and send it to your editor and they would look at it and they would say this is insane like who is this crank um uh like we're in an era w- where we see like people who disagree with us as, as less than us. Um, and so I think it's worth praying about like, Lord, where, where are my blind spots here? Like in what ways am I not loving my neighbor? Um, and I think it's difficult um, to look at things like this trick. I, I listened to a podcast uh, on this very text um, and they were, um, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, but they were kind of a law and gospel kind of podcast. Um, and they saw little use for um, this particular summary of the law other than to drive us to repentance. Um, and, and of course, I, I, I think that, that the law offers us far more than that. Um, that it offers a positive guide um, right. that, that in fact, uh, yes, it's, it's impossible in this lifetime on this side of Jordan um, for us to perfectly love our neighbors. But uh, we believe in Jesus who transforms. Um, and when we come to him in prayer, um, you know, we, the epistles talk about the transformation of the mind and conformity to Christ and, and essentially progress in, in like having our minds renewed. Um, and I, I do believe that as we prayerfully approach this and as we see where we have sinned, and we bring this to the Lord, um, that He can change our hearts to help us to to see our neighbor, uh, our neighbors, uh, our opponents, our political opponents, uh, people who are different from us. Uh, we can begin to see them um, as like who they are, it, as as God sees them, as people made in the image of God, as people who we disagree with, yes, but um, uh, as full people who deserve our love. Um, that that we should pray for our quote unquote enemies. And so finally, I just want to say that, you know, in our service, in our liturgy, this is juxtaposed with the Kyrie. Um, so just as this word of law brings us, um, like convicts us of our shortcomings, hopefully it does. Hopefully we can uh, hold up a mirror and see where we are failing. Um, we respond by saying, Lord, have mercy upon mm. us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. So Ultimately, yes, it, it draws, uh, it brings us to repentance, but it also, um, we should search our hearts for, for the ways that we are not loving our neighbor as ourself. Well said. Um, it's notable to me that the heart of both of these two, right? Love God, love neighbor is love, right? And, um, we can hear that so much that it loses meaning. I discovered last week what the, there's a term for that. It's called semantic satiation, mm. right? Like when you say a word, I remember as a kid, I said the word country, C-O-U-N-T-R-Y, um, like 30 times in one minute. Just like, I, I noticed like, yeah. this is a weird thing is happening. These are becoming word, like just syllables and it doesn't mean anything to me. Um, semantic satiation. I think in, in, a Christian context, we can say God is love, 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 God, love, 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 God, love, God, love. And, um, and it loses meaning. 
Um, but the heart of what we're commanded to do, it's, it's, it's two sides of the same coin, right? Love God, love neighbor. Um, it's, it's notable that it's love of God that comes first, which then enables us uh, to love neighbor. And I've, I've made this point before. Um, in some ways, we're living off of the, 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 the endowment of Christendom, right? The, um, the, the interest, uh, the built-up accumulation of Christendom, right? Hospitals, universities, mm. orphanages. Um, wherever Christians have gone, um, we've made a point to set up new weird institutions that care for people that nobody else cares for, right? That educates the people that, can't, that, that don't know how to read, um, even those that can't pay for it, right? That takes care of the dying. Why take care of the dying? They're going to die, right? Hmm, um, this yeah. is the way other cultures um, uh, deal with it. And this is, this is how God changes our hearts, right? Um, think of the Red Cross, which again, there's like visual association, <laughs> right? We no longer understand like what it means, but like right. the idea that, you know, God would call, you know, um, middle-class 19th century uh, women to, you know, go to, and, and get blood smeared all over them. Why? Because that's what God calls us to do is to, is to nurse, you know, that way that wasn't a profession 150 years ago until a Christian woman looked at a passage like this and said, but what, why aren't, why are we not doing this? Why are we not caring for, for these people? So yeah, love God, love neighbor. That, I mean, that is a, I think a, a picture of God's character, right? And, and yeah. the idea, right, is in some ways we don't see here, here Jesus is asked for what is the greatest commandment elsewhere you referred to in the service, what's called the summary of the law. I'm like, if, if Jesus could possibly distill the 10 commandments into kind of one thing. Um, how, what would that distillation look like? And he comes up with a similar, um, uh, comes up with something similar. So I, I want to be brief because we've got, we've got yeah. two other full and rich things to talk about. Um, one concluding thought Kirk, mm -hmm. um, that, that kind of builds on, on what you just said, as far as, um, you know, people ought to see the red cross and realize the cross is the cross yeah. of Christ, which, yeah. which shows mercy, which brings mercy, <laughs> which motivates us as Christians to show mercy. Um, and, and it was, it was just a, a line in, in a book and I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head what book it was in, but I wrote it down. Cause I was just like, wow. Um, it's just a, just a, I think it's helpful sometimes to, to kind of take a look at a, uh, a compass and, and to see like, are we the church? Um, are we oriented in a way that, that we ought to be as a church? And so here's the question, how many people look at our churches and see the face of Jesus. You know that's that that should be a question that, that, that we as churches ask. That that every parish council or vestry or elder board um, should ask. Say like how, how many people associate like the work that our church does, um, and and if they don't see the face of Jesus, um, how can we help the world to see um, the, the the love of God um, when they think about our churches? I think that's good. I think that's good. You, uh, you, let's, let's move on to our theology segment. Good segue. <laughs> super clunky, super clunky segue.
November 1st is a special day on the church calendar for me and for my church. November, November 1st is All Saints Day. And why is that special? That's the name of our church. The name of our church is All Saints. And um, so this is, a, this is usually an exciting day for us. We, uh, we are rehearsing and practicing music, especially for this day. The, uh, the, the, the nave and the altar are all bedecked with white roses. And that's every church, I think, um, in memory of, of the departed and from that parish. Um, but what, let's not get ahead of ourselves. What is All Saints? All Saints is a feast day celebrated to honor all of the saints, known and unknown. Its intent is to celebrate all the saints, including those who do not or are no longer celebrated individually because the number of saints has become so great, right? So there are certain feast days that are, we just, um, today we're recording on the feast of St. Simon and St. Jude. Um, notable, special to me because Simon uh, had his first communion on St. Simon and St. Jude uh, several several years ago. That is to say you your son, Simon. My son, Simon. Yep. Yep. Uh, and that was, that, that was a fun thing that we set up. And the bishop came and Simon told a little story of the martyrdom of St. Simon. And it was great. Not Simon Peter, incidentally, but another St. Simon. In any case, um, there are what all I'm saying is there are for particularly for the apostles, right? And 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 the Virgin Mary, there are special saints' days. But as the church trudged through the centuries and the number of martyrs and saints grew, um, there became a realization that um, that as as we read in Hebrews, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses that there ought to be a day in which we mark all those that have come before. Um, and that is All Saints Day. And as I remarked to you before we pressed record, Christopher, you asked, what, what, is, what is that called again? And I said, it's our patronal feast day. And I was very, very pleased with my cleverness. I think I said, uh, our, our patron is all the patrons. <laughs> our patron saint is all the saints. So um, this is a, a very, it's become a very special feast day to me. Um, and it, frankly, it should be a, a special feast day to you, right? Um, all of you have, have some dearly departed um, believer, hopefully, God willing, <laughs> someone that you know, uh, an uncle, an aunt, grandparents, parents, perhaps, uh, friends who have loved the Lord, who have been faithful believers, and who have died and are now, and are now with the Lord. And we, we give thanks to God on this day for that. Um, Christopher, there's a book that I think I've shared with you um, called My Book of the Church Year. Have I ever shared this with you? Uh, like images from it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's basically yeah. a picture book. It's like for children. Yeah. It's, it was um, by a, an early, not early, mid-20th century author. Her name was Enid Mary Chadwick. Um, and, uh, and I'm looking right now at her page on uh, November 1st, All Saints. And, um, and we see the image there, I'll do show and tell, which is like everyone's favorite segment. You see here, there's the image. Mm. Look at that. Um, so we see the lamb upon the throne. And of course we talk Christopher about the way of the cross, the way up is down. And so our King's throne is an altar, right? As we mm. read in Revelation. Um, the land that was slain on the throne before the foundations of the earth were laid. And around the throne are doctors, confessors, apostles, martyrs, virgins, um, all those that are listed in the book of Revelation. And, um, 
and uh, it's a it's a it's a moving picture. Uh, we have Christopher coming up some great lessons uh, in on All Saints Day, and uh, it would probably be boring if this uh, if this just evolved into reading the lessons for All Saints. But Christopher, do you ever? So, so you have we have options. We have options for what lessons to read in All Saints. Do you ever read the reading from Sirach? From Sirach forty four. I honestly could not tell you off the top of my head okay. what we've done in past years. So this is sometimes called uh, the hymn, hymn in honor of our ancestors. Um, and it's great. I'm actually going to read a little bit of it. Let us now sing the praises of famous men, our ancestors in their generations. The Lord apportioned to them great glory, his majesty from the beginning. There were those who ruled in their kingdoms and made a name for themselves by their valor. Those who gave us counsel because they were intelligent. Those who spoke in prophetic oracles. Those who led the people by their counsels and by their knowledge of the people's lore. They were wise in their words of, instru of instruction. Those who composed musical tunes or put verses in writing rich men endowed with resources, living peacefully in their homes. All these were honored in their generations and were the pride of their times. Some of them have left behind a name so that others declare their praise. But of others, there is no memory. They have perished as though they had never existed. They have become as though they had never been born they and their children after them. But these also were godly men whose righteous deeds have not been forgotten. Their wealth will remain with their descendants and their inheritance with their children's children. Their descendants stand by the covenants, their children also for their sake. Their offspring will continue forever and their glory will never be blotted out. Their bodies are buried in peace but their name lives on generation after generation. Christopher, you might recall this was a reading, one of the lessons from our grandfather's funeral this summer. Mm. Um, I, th I think Seth read it. Um, I was amused because he, he read it from his iPhone and it's, uh, it's from the Apocrypha. <laughs> I was wondering like, what, uh, what, what, what Bible app does, does Seth have that has Apocrypha, but that's neither here nor there. Um, this is this to this is uh, it was meaningful to me before, but this will now be especially meaningful to me now. Um, there's a pivot point. Um, it begins. Let us now sing the praises of famous men, and it's true. We as the church, we trudge through the church church year, and our feast days are of famous people. Right, <laughs> a lot of them are of the events of Jesus's life. Right, the baptism of our Lord, or the incarnation, or the resurrection. Right, Christmas, Easter, and then we have Saints' Days of the Apostles, um, and uh, um, and and that's kind of what the first half of this chapter is. But then it makes a pivot, right? And it says, uh, some have left behind a name so that others declare their praise, but of others, there is no memory. They have perished as though they had never existed. And in all likelihood, that, that'll be you and I, right? Um, go to a graveyard, uh, an old graveyard, if there's an old church near you. And you may find some of the older gravestones, the, uh, the names are hard to read, right? They've, they've, they've 
been rubbed off or weather has done its work and it's hard to see their name. Um, to quote this passage, right? Uh, it is, they have perished as though they had never existed. They've become as though they had never been born. Um, but these also were godly men, right? And it's worth having a day in which we mark all those. And by godly men, we mean godly men and women. That's just mm -hmm. an, an older translation of the Bible. Uh, it's worth having a day that we give thanks to God for all the faithful um, whose, whose names have been lost, right? They've been lost to us. But Christopher, have they been lost to Jesus? Never. Never, right? Uh, they are precious in, in his sight, uh, just as precious as any feast uh, whose day we celebrate with high pomp and circumstance. And, um, and, and so I, I love that passage. Um, also, another reading, a possible reading is uh, from Revelation 7. Uh, Revelation, Christopher, the book of Revelation. You and I grew up calling it Revel. Did you call it Revelations? I grew up calling it it's that. It's possible. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, this says this says Revelation seven has one of my favorite passages. There's so, so much about Revelation, right? This is the passage, and after this I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb. They cried out with a loud voice, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, etc. One of my favorite kind of quirky and enigmatic passages, Christopher, is uh, verse 13. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, sir, thou knowest. Right? So like the elders asks um, St. John a rhetorical question. He walks up yeah. to like, St. John, who's having this vision, like, who are these under the throne? Where did they come from? That they're arrayed in white robes. And John says to him, Christopher, isn't this endlessly, like, I'm always amused by this. He's not thrown off his game. He's like, you know, tell me. <laughs> and, and, and he tells him, he says, and he said to me, these are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them and they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. This is why in so much of art around um, the apocalypse, around all saints, um, around uh, what, what is happening right now in heaven, um, has that imagery, right? You often have the lamb, uh, um, uh, the lamb on the throne, and then you also have um, often white robes, right? Um, the, the martyrs in white robes. And um, so I find that lovely. Uh, Christopher, you mentioned that we've been working our way through Hebrews. Mm -hmm. um, we have from Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance the race which is set before us. Um, and this great cloud of witnesses, is it literal? Is it metaphorical? Sometimes, but not, not, not always in prayer. Um, I, I think, <laughs> I think that um, we, we run a risk of overly metamorph, 
metamorphor how what's the verb Metamorph- uh, of metamorph metamorph metamorphizing <laughs> it um yeah like it is um when when we i don't know when we read in revelation about what is happening in the heavenlies right now right because um the vision that um the vision that jesus gives to john who was you know on the island of patmos in an island in the mediterranean in the first century is sort of a, a a vision across time and space right so we can kind of reliably say that this is what is happening the worship in heaven right now um if we kind of think of the communion of saints and think to ourselves, what would Holy Communion look like if we could, for a moment, see all things on heaven and on earth like St. John sees in Revelation? Um, I think that this would be quite moving for us, right? That we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. This is when we come to church, when we take Holy Communion, this is kind of what, what is happening. Uh, I find that, find that quite moving and quite inspiring. Um, and so here's my final thought, Christopher, and, and, and we're excited to talk about something else so you, you can respond or not respond. But Christ's church includes the blessed dead along with those still on earth. We worship God, as we read in Isaiah, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. With, as we read in Revelation, the glorious company of apostles well, actually, that's from the Tadeum, <laughs> the noble fellowship of prophets, the white-robed army of martyrs. And we celebrate saints' days when we thank God for their holy lives and pray that we may follow their examples. And that's that. Do you have any thoughts? I'm not going to add to that. So let's move on to our culture segment. which we are talking about the Hulu television show, Only Murders in the Building. It's a show that debuted on August 31st of this year, and the finale was October 19th, so a little more than uh, a week ago. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Hulu, and I would encourage our listeners not to think of these streaming services as something you have a long-term contract to, but uh, something you should, should, should consider subscribing to for a month or two um and only do like one or two at a time so prime okay amazon prime you're probably gonna have an annual subscription to that but don't just assume you're gonna have netflix every month get netflix for like two months out of the year get hulu for two months out of the year get hbo max out of two months a year um anyway so honestly um, that's your strategy because that's brilliant well well thank you you have to you have to plan it out though anyhow that's not what we're talking about but like i don't know like do, do do you need them all? And it's like, I know people who, who I, honestly, like Netflix is like number five on the list of streaming services. Like, 
Apple TV Plus is great. Hulu has great stuff. HBO Max has great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, Netflix has this place in our minds as this right. like like thing that we just assume. It's the marketing principle of a first. Yeah, yeah. Right, like McDonald's. whereas like people have that instead of yeah. HBO Max. Are you kidding yeah, me? HBO Max is just better. It is, but yeah, it's just flat out better. And then and then like there are things on each of these other services that are worth watching. Um, and it's like, well, I can't afford all of them. Okay, fine. Then just get one of them at a time. Anyway, rant so over. I recently got Paramount for for a month for like okay. the trial period to watch sure. something. And like because Paramount is the last one to enter the marketplace, I just assumed it was like the dumbest. And it's great. <laughs> it's got everything ever from CBS and obviously, you know, Paramount Studios. Yeah. So yeah. go ahead. Yeah. And so like there's there might be a show on there that you want to watch. Um, and so even like when Disney Plus came out, I signed up for three years as like I got a tremendous discount that at the time I thought was only available to like people who attended this special Disney conference. Like I got this like friends and family <laughs> discount, but it turns out like it was available to anyone. It's like 40% off if you've got three, three years of it. Now, Disney Plus, maybe in the future will be something I'll get when the Mandalorian comes out, you know, and then watch Mandalorian and then cancel it. But anyway, only murders in the building. This show stars Steve Martin as the smug and misanthropic TV has been Charles Hayden Savage. Um, he started in a cop show in the 90s. Um, it stars Martin Short as Oliver Putnam. A uh, Kirk to, to call Oliver Putnam theatrical is is maybe <laughs> underselling him, right? Yes, <laughs> the yes. theatrical former Broadway director, and I, I have to say, like it's he weird. plays like, up all just, the Broadway stereotypes. Yeah, and I love Martin Short. I don't really know why. Um, like he's I can't funny. list. I can't. Some list, people just like, ooze humor. Yeah, he's and like that's funny. Him. Yeah, especially when he's like trying to be serious. He's unbel- like in this show, he's mm-hmm. at his best when he's like earnest. <laughs> he's just, he's just innately funny. And then uh, Selena Gomez plays Mabel Mora. Um, and uh, two words to describe her would be laconic and right. mysterious. Um, uh, the laconic and mysterious young resident in this pre-war uh, New York City building. She's a, she's a, she's a little, um, little, uh, I, I will come back to that. There's a, there's an unkind word, but we'll come back to her later. All right, go ahead. Continue. Kirk, love your neighbor. Yes. Even fictional characters. Uh, there's a murder <laughs> in their building, and they discover that uh, shortly after the murder, that each of them loves listening to true crime podcasts. And they decide, I mean, what's the more appropriate thing than to have a show about people starting a podcast, right? They're like, <laughs> everyone has a podcast and some people have three. Uh, <laughs> uh, immediately, Martin Short's character, Oliver, he thinks big. Um, he says, you know, we could talk about, you know, many murders on the show. Like he's like, he moves immediately on from talking about this particular murder of Tim Kono. And then Charles Hayden Savage is like, tames him a little bit. He's like, how about only murders in the building? <laughs> Which, <laughs> Which is becomes... such a funny formulation. Yeah, it's it a is. creative idea for the title. Yes. And in fact, um, this was the genesis of the show. I think Steve Martin um, had this idea about um, a group of, at the time, the, the original idea didn't include like a younger lady. It was just kind of three older people who were essentially too lazy to tramp around the country and research murders. So like, they're only going to like cover murders inside their building. You know, it's funny. <laughs> we see all sorts of themes emerge as they investigate this murder. Uh, wealth and privilege. 
Um, vanity, especially expressed in Martin Short's, uh, his character's fall from grace as a Broadway director, and also in his his broken relationship with his son. And he kind of insists on remaining in this uh, apartment that he can't afford. Um, and he's just really days away from eviction. Um, loneliness, disability, notably uh, where we're immersed in the world of someone with hearing loss. And Kirk, that I think we talked over text or maybe before the show at one point yeah about that that there's one entire episode that has has no sound yeah no that's it's not the whole episode but like for for minutes on end you're immersed into his world where everything's kind of muffled and yeah uh the show features appearances from several recognizable faces and none of whom disappoint Uh, nathan lane uh tina fey amy ryan sting (laughs) and in the penultimate episode i really appreciated the appearance of jane lynch kirk did you like her yeah in this yeah uh and i find her kind of magnetic as a as an actress as an actor um we get several funny callbacks um in the show it kind of builds on uh things early in the show martin short his bizarre insistence on on what he calls dips for dinner yes <laughs> which i don't know if it's a joke just about him just being cheap and he's poor so like hey you can have dips for dinner like you don't have to actually have a meal you can have dips for dinner uh steve martin uh you know, they suspect Sting of the murder early and late, late um, in the series. He accidentally plays a Sting song on <laughs> um, on his phone. Uh, Charles and Oliver are forced to buy a, <laughs> a large quantity of this multi-level marketing merchandise called gut milk. <laughs> and which like, later which in the show, they... pops up in important, unexpected yes. ways. Yes throughout the show yeah and, and and early in the show it's used to it's used to show um just the characters like the gregarious martin shorts character who connects with everybody but then the kind of the um misanthropic nature of of steve martin's character who um as soon as he enters this scene like the, the person they're trying to get information from shuts down and only opens up when they essentially buy a bunch of gut milk from her kirk where do you want to start uh well let, let me ask just a just a a question um am i am i making this up in my head or did did gut milk play like an important um important role as like a poison antidote <laughs> like like this like strange thing that's in your gut that like uh yeah i mean at least i don't know if it actually was or if martin short was just like that was you know he is very he just he's very confident yeah, yeah, he's very confident of things that may not may or may not be true. Right, like like Windex in uh, in my big fat Greek wedding. Right, like ah, gut milk yeah. can do anything. It's like the antidote yeah. to poison. Okay, yeah. that's funny. Uh, I mean, do, do we want to just kind of talk about fun things we like, or or get more serious and talk about themes? Um, I mean, I, I like to look at look at themes. Um, yeah, let's do it. So I, th- I think uh, the the initial theme to me in the, in the end the the real heart of this is is loneliness. Um. Uh, all three of these these characters, uh, um, Martin Short's character is is profoundly lone, lonely. His whole identity is that he's at the heart of Midtown Manhattan, at the heart of the theater scene. And we find out, we kind of find out midway through the show for all these guys why they're mm. no longer front and center, kind of in their in their realm of life. And and for him, it's what was the name of the show that went de- went deadly wrong. I don't know the had name this... of it, but it was this Broadway musical that <laughs> yeah. had a giant tank on stage. Uh, it had a funny name. I don't know if it was like The Little Mermaid, but but what the main premise was like, 
we're going to have a, a basically a swimming Hi-diving. pool on stage. What could go wrong? Yeah. yeah. High divers, you know, and what someone could go moves, wrong? someone moves the water tank as like this, <laughs> these like young, beautiful athletic men are like diving off of it. And like, they go splat in the middle of a Broadway theater. Right. And that yes. ends completely ends his career. Right. As a, as a director. And not only that, but like really he tars him with this tragic comic, absurd kind of um, legacy. Right. And so he loves the theater. He loves all that culture. And like, he's just really disconnected from it. And so he's alone, you know, in his apartment that he can no longer really pay for anymore. Um, And, and, and he keeps getting kind of eviction notices. Um, He he hasn't really come to terms with the fact that um, his best days are behind him. Yes. Um, Yep. As opposed to um, uh, Charles Hayden Savage. um, He uh, uh, Steve Martin's character is very aware that his best days are behind him and it's turned him into kind of, um, he's lost his mojo, lost his confidence, kind of a pathetic late middle age, early old age man who makes the same omelet every morning and throws it away, right? Throws it away. And we only find out about that later on what that's all about. And that's a sad thing, right? Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he, he was basically a star for, I don't know, like six seasons of, of, of this cop show in the nineties. Um, and there's an interesting, yeah, basically like NYPD blue or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then has really done nothing since. And it's funny. He's, he still goes out on auditions. Um, and it's funny, like they grab him in the hallway, uh, to like record an episode of the podcast. And he's, and he's like, but I'm on my way to an audition. Cause he's still trying to get work. And do you remember what he says, Kirk? I love no, this line. Jimmy. He's like, ah, screw it. I'm offer only, you know, <laughs> as in big stars don't audition. Um, but, you know, he's humbled and has to audition. Like, you don't ask Leonardo DiCaprio to come audition for your movie. He'll come be in your movie ba- based on whether or not he accepts your offer. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I don't know if that makes sense to people out. Not that I'm inside show business, but like, I care about it enough to understand what that what that means. Yeah. And, and then, uh, and then, um, Mabel, and then, yeah. Uh, Mabel. Yeah. Where, where does Mabel, her loneliness come from? Well, that, that, that's the, that like the wealth and privilege thing, um, is that she only has this connection to this building, um, because, uh, of her aunt. And so, um, we find out that she has a connection to some characters around the building, um, who are, who are wealthy. She, she grew up on long Island, which, you know, is status wise, might as well be Arkansas. Um, right. And uh, so, so she can't afford to live there. She, she lives there because she's um, supposed to be renovating her aunt's apartment. And, um, and she's doing it at a glacial pay, pace. Yeah. Like she doesn't have a plan for what comes next. Yeah. And so, so she's lonely because like she is, uh, uh, it, it, she's a poor kid um, in a rich neighborhood. Um with uh and even when she would like play around with kids in that uh, in that building as a kid um there was this obvious separation that you're just a visitor here right right yeah yeah um so so i would say loneliness isolation um and and steve martin who's kind of the creative mind behind this he has an ability more than any other comic um who's done some writing to really weave together um humor and and kind of real kind of timeless themes of, of, of tragedy and drama in a non-clunky way, in a very serious way. And, and he does it masterfully here. Like think, for example, someone else that we think is funny. Um, 
say Will Ferrell, right? Anytime Will Ferrell writes a movie, he is not going to weave into it like timeless themes that like mm. Aristotle would recognize mm. in his <laughs> works on the Greek theater, right? Um, he's just not, that's just not what he's good at. It's, and that's not what we pay him for, right? Um, but Steve Martin's interesting in that he's able to do this, right? He talks about themes uh, like like um, aging, loneliness, isolation, and like it's really intensely funny as well. So um, I think that's masterful. It's worth it's worth watching um, just for that as well. Um, so I, I'd say that that's the theme that that jumped out at me right away. Also, let's uh, it's it's a great commentary on certain aspects of our age, right? Like, so you and I right now are on a podcast. <laughs> there are no right. barriers to entry to a podcast, right? Indeed. So it tends to attract, well, <laughs> people with too much time on their hands. That's why there's a million like, of them. Is, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, anyone can start a podcast. <laughs> right, so this great democratization of this new media form, like we're, we're kind of, as the viewer, as we're watching this creation of this podcast, we're like, is this dumb or is it real? <laughs> Right? <laughs> what are they doing here? Is it dumb or is it real? I mean, this is kind of meta. Um, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but like on the show, like Tina Fey plays like the host yeah. of this other podcast, right? Like, exactly. Prominent true crime, and so like it's it's just which takes itself very seriously, yes. right? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, and and um, so just even raising that is 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 fantastic. I'm sorry. Do, do you have further thoughts on this? No, no, I just thought that was yeah. a, like a really interesting, yeah. a meta commentary. And especially you and I talking on a podcast yeah, that we decided to about, do during a pandemic a when we had too much time on our hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, they're, they're, they're just thrilled that they have fans. They, they start selling merch. Um, <laughs> right. and these fans are like sitting outside the building and it's clear that like these people have nothing going yeah, on in their lives. And they the just is, like sit outside of a building all day. They're losers yes. scorning. Like they found people actually lower on the social hierarchy than they are. <laughs> so like they heap scorn on their loser fans who like are happy to take those scraps on from under the table. Right. Because they have nothing else to do. Yeah. Right? So Charles Hayden Savage called me a loser. That's so awesome. Yes. Right. And, and, and how great is that episode when they, when they're kind of stuck and they, they like begrudgingly invite the, yes. the, uh, the groupies up into the apartment. Yes. The, the fans of the show onto the show to, to, to help them with the, the case. Should Kirk, we, should um, we do spoilers or. Uh, in a moment, I, okay. I, I want to raise something else first, um, that, that kind of just came to mind and, and that is, um, something I never thought of until I listened to this one podcast, Kirk, <laughs> um, uh, that talked about, um, the process of auditioning. So how I talked about like auditioning and offer only, I mean, to think about Kirk, I had never thought of it before the, the psychology of continually going to auditions and not getting the part Ooh, like the things yeah. that that can do to your head to your confidence um and i can imagine like if if uh you were a success at one point and and your name could open all kinds of doors when you go to audition after audition after audition and they turn you down what is that what is what would that do to you and so um th there's no kirk is, is there an analog in the rest of society to like repeatedly essentially um, interview for a job and repeatedly um, get turned down. I don't know. Sales, sales people probably go okay. through this a lot. Right. Um, in fact, they there, I think there's like a mantra in sales, like every no brings you closer to your next yes. Okay. So that's, so, so you need to tough. believe that otherwise it's, it's just <laughs> yeah. depressing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but yeah. it's still got to be pretty tough. But Most still, jobs aren't like, like that, It would right? be easy to think of that as a rejection of your product and not right? a rejection of you. Right. Yeah, yeah. Did you have any 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 further? Oh, I, I can't. Talk. T- I can't tell if I'm I fascinated shut you down because on like that. this was part of like a multi-episode podcast. Um, the, the one that that kind of brought this up, where mm. um they they interviewed all sorts of people who like didn't get the part for various reasons or for years, like, and then finally got their break, and then that started opening doors. But it's it's a like people who we think of as successes now had to go through years of 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 essentially feeling whether it's true or not, they might have not been right for the part of feeling like you as a person, like we don't want you. We don't like you. Can we talk anyway, briefly yeah. about Steve Martin's weird love life? <laughs> so spoilers, um, sure. it turns out, it turns out that we're going to jump into spoilers now. So knock yourself out, Kirk. Spoiler it turns territory. out that um, pause his great sadness. Go subscribe to Hulu. Yeah. Watch the series and then come back to this podcast. So it turns out his great sadness is that his wife left him for his stunt double, who was a woman, who was Jane Lynch. And that's played to great comedic effect, how like she mirrors all of his gestures. She touches her nose, her chin. And she's, she's like six feet. Like him. She she's legitimately in. six feet tall, like yeah. him, right? She dresses like him. She has like Steve Martin gray hair. It's great. Like it's parted on the side, like his. Yeah. Um, but but like that, that is that was like deeply emasculated and kind of emasculating and kind of ruined him. Right. Um, so he finds love kind of midway through the series for the first time in forever, like allows himself to be vulnerable with a concert bassoonist in the building, which I have to say as an aside prompted Kim one day to listen to the firebird suite while she was working. And she like texted me a screenshot and she said of, of like, uh, the firebird suite on like Amazon music, um, and she said, who says that uh, pop culture can't inspire someone to, uh, to learn high culture, right? Because she was listening to Stravinsky because we were watching Only Murders, right? So yeah, did, um, so that, that there's a lovely bassoon solo in um, Stravinsky's Firebird Suite. And I, I hadn't actually asked myself up until just now if there's any, any deeper meaning to that or if they just picked, hey, bassoons are like ridiculous instruments because they're like, tall and sound funny and whatever well i don't don't know if there's any deeper meaning there but i don't think there's deeper meaning other than like uh there's a soulfulness um of of that sound wafting up in the in the the uh, courtyard yeah yeah and there's a soulfulness to that solo as well um so this bassoonist who she's kind of like she's kind of like the uh like the band kid who like finally found her confidence later on in life and she's kind of oozing with energy and in, in is into him and at first he's cautious and he embraces it and um and so should we delve further in, further into spoilers yeah she gets she out. gets uh what is it the second to last episode she gets stabbed and is mm. bleeding in his arms right and um and uh we find out that she gets stabbed how does she get stabbed christopher how i'll yeah. let you answer that she stabs herself to kind of throw people off the trail um because because she's the bad guy she's the killer (laughs) yeah and um, an an excellent twist because i mean the drama like puts your eye all over as good shows do um it's it's the worst shows that essentially um 
uh, are are condescending and make you feel smart by like letting you know in the first episode like duh like this is the this is the killer like the best shows like um like uh what was the one in uh southern england um broadchurch 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 yeah. basically one episode um each episode like cast your suspicion on a different person right 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 yeah, yeah. And then that's what this one does until at the end it, it reveals um, the killer. And then, and it's, it's a great reveal and it's, it's, it's perfect. Yeah, it, it, it is perfect. Uh, I forgot where I was going with that. So it, it'll, it'll, it'll come back to me what his love, his, his love life. Oh, and he, okay. So he's demoralized, right? Of course, this, this woman is the killer. Oh no, I know what I was going to say. Um, Steve Martin, one of his favorite kind of comedic veins is physical comedy and he hadn't done it the entire show mm. and um it turns out her medium for uh for killing is poison she's a serial killer who poisons people so it turns out tim kono wasn't shot he was shot after he died he had been previously poisoned so uh steve martin's character thinks that he's being clever when he sits down with her for a drink to reveal and he's secretly recording her confession. It's great. It's a great scene. So great. And he's just pretending to drink his drink. What do you call um, it? Like stage drinking? Or yeah, something? stage drink. He's like, it's stage <laughs> drinking. You haven't poisoned me at all. And suddenly he starts to kind of like very comically, great physical comedy. It's clear that like he's losing feeling. He's like, what? I didn't drink any. And she's like, no, it was in the ice. He was like, no, applying. no, it was in this handkerchief. That's what it was. It was. Yeah, it was, wasn't it in the ice? So, in like, the when he wiped his nose. Oh, yeah, because yes. he was bleeding. Yep, yep, Remember, yep, he was bleeding. Yep. Yeah, from the nose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so then we get, uh, and this is where just pure uh, physical comedy gold, right? As you said, Martin Short's character in great earnestness, like wheeling in an increasingly is a stroller immobile that he uses. Steve Martin around in a stroller as he well, can no it, longer it's see. Kirk, because it's the his, stroller that he uses to carry the the podcasting equipment, right? And so the the immobile Steve Martin is shoved in a stroller, and it he just looks comical in right? a stroller, you know, like because he can't really sit in it, and so they shove him through. Yeah, but the Fantastic. funniest thing ever, and I laughed so hard I had to pause it. I laid down on the ground, Christopher, and I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. Steve Martin stands up from the stroller, makes the impassioned speech of his life. Right fights through this, the poisoning fights through the poisoning that's right and then the camera pans back to him and it's all in his head in his head he thinks he's making this impassioned speech and in reality he's like <laughs> he can't he can't talk yet right because he's been poisoned so um great physical comedy uh did we did we do a shout out to nathan lane love nathan lane uh, yeah, we, I I mentioned him. You mentioned is him. Yeah. One of the many great. Yeah, he's he's always great, and he's particularly great in this. So I would say this this show hits my sweet spot. It hits three sweet spots. My wife loves murder mysteries, and sometimes just to spend quality time with her, I will endure a murder mystery, even <laughs> if it's not like what I would have chosen. Right. Um. So it's that. So we it, it, we watched it together, which that's better than watching alone, right? Like Billy Joel says, right. <laughs> better than drinking alone uh it it also it's um it it is interesting right it's good writing good actors interesting themes and then lastly it's really funny it is really funny so that's that those are my kind of three thoughts christopher do you want to wrap it up 
final thoughts put a bow on it uh watch it um on hulu and get hulu and dump netflix <laughs> periodically strategically plan ahead make it make a 12-month calendar <laughs> i'm saying that tongue-in-cheek i'm impressed by your like your your suggestion that even that can be done shall we end in prayer let's the lord be with you and with your spirit let us pray oh god the maker and redeemer of all believers grant to the faithful departed the unsearchable benefits of the passion of your son that on the day of his appearing they may be manifested as your children through jesus christ our lord who lives and reigns with you and the holy spirit one god now and forever amen amen Almighty God, you have knit together your elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of your Son. Give us grace so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that we may come to those ineffable joys that you have prepared for those who truly love you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk. Next week. Mm-hmm.